0: I'm crazy. I'm crazy. I know I'm crazy. i Okay, everybody. I have an amazingly phenomenal, special, beautiful, smart, talented, and funny guest here with me today. And I know I'm crazy with Naja Hall land. I have my friend and my colleague, Deborah Pino. Esquire. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Deborah, and you'll see why I love her so much. Deborah is an attorney and a guardian at Lightham in the state of Florida. She was born in Kingston, Jamaica, to parents who migrated with her four siblings to Philadelphia. Deborah attended Alabama State University where she became a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Aww. While studying at ASU, one of Deb's professors suggests that she consider law as a career. And I totally agree with that, Professor, because you could talk. You could talk a lot, Deb. So she sought admission at Miami's School of Law. Deborah graduated cum laude from ASU and went to UM Law on a full tuition scholarship deborah graduated with her law degree in 1996 and she's been practicing law in the state of florida ever since deb you you've done a lot deb also has this amazingly funny series that she shares on her instagram and facebook and it's called psa and the reason i asked deb to come and join us today is because she has so much sage advice for parents co-parents and all things in between. Deb, Deborah Pino, like the Grigio. Welcome to I Know I'm Crazy. Because I know I'm crazy too. You, you are to be here. You, <laughs> <laughs> you fit right in with a lot of us, Deb. So tell me this, because I have, you know, there's I have a lot of friends that are lawyers, but you are by far, you are kind of like a tell it like it is, gal. And yeah. so in your field, one thing that I found is the lawyers that like to tell it like it is, you know, they're the ones with, with this real genuine personality type. Is it hard for you to make money? Because sometimes I know you get clients and they, you know, they're coming with these silly list of demands and you just like PSA, honey, no, have a seat. How does that work for you your, with your realness and still having a, a thriving practice? Well, you know, what's most important to me is to be myself, period. And so if that means I'm going to have to live on the street, then I guess I'm going to have to live on the street. (laughs) I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear just because that's what you want to hear. I'm going to be painfully honest. When you're in the office, you're facing me. And well, now we're on Zoom. But when we're eye to eye, just me and you, I'm going to tell you what the reality is. And then we can work from there. So if my telling you what the reality is causes you to decide that I'm not the attorney for you, that's absolutely fine. There are thousands of us out there in the state of Florida, millions probably throughout the country, and it's okay. I'm not going to compromise my integrity so that you're comfortable. We're going to, the goal is to make us both comfortable, but you have to understand and receive the law. So, if it means that you're not going to hire me, it's okay because there's someone out there right behind you that will take your case. Absolutely. And there's someone that will take your money. Exactly. And there's someone out there right behind you that will hire me. So, it's okay. It's really Mm. okay. Who, your your clientele, what would you say? Is it mothers, fathers? Is there a good mix? Uh, Who's your major clientele? I would say it's a mix. And Because my background is child support enforcement. I worked for the government collecting child support in Broward County. So my client was the state, but nine times out of 10, my client was also the mother, whoever the custodial parent was. So that is how I built my practice. That's where my exposure came from. So most, when I decided to leave government employee and open up my own practice, my name was already out there because they saw me in child support court every day. And so when they were now able to hire me, both parents would come in. It just depends. My clients are typically the responsible person in the co-parenting situation. Okay. I've just been lucky that way. So, you know, child support court. And for those of you listening, if you have not, if you've had the privilege to never have had to go to child support court, consider yourself one of the lucky ones, because I've gone with clients before, you know, sat in on cases and oh my God, they should make a child support court reality show because some of these excuses, Deb, and I know you've heard, like like way a whole lot more. So what's like some of the good excuses that you've heard? Why ain't you paying your child support? What have you heard? Tell us some tips. Listen, listen, I have heard everything from it's not my child because I sent my brother to take the DNA test. And when the DNA test came back positive, my brother was really the positive one. Oh my gosh, that was the best. I think that was the best. For me. Oh, so it was really the brother's baby? Oh. oh, let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you. He comes in and he says, I need a DNA test. No okay. problem. Fair. We give you the DNA test. He sends his brother down to take the test with his identification. So we have a gentleman in front oh. of us with the identification of Mr. X, but it's really Mr. Y. So when the results come back positive, that's your brother's baby. Now, if you know, if you know, well, maybe he didn't know. So that means he has to pay this child support because that's his, that's his uncle. That's his nephew's son. now. So that's his reason now why he's never, ever going to pay the support because he didn't show up for that test and it wasn't his DNA. (gasps) Right, oh. so he's never going to pay because of that. So he was there every month in protest to paying child support. That probably would be my favorite story. So he tried to run a scam on the court, but his brother ended up running a scam on him. Now, if you're the brother though, Naja, won't you say, uh, bruh. You know what? I you might can, not need to be the one. I say, you know what, bruh, something might get lost in the sauce. So <laughs> can ask your homeboy to go take the test. I, I don't think... That was really dumb. Right. That's my favorite. That would be my favorite story. That would be followed up by the story where the gentleman donated his sperm to his best friend because he um, didn't like women, didn't like having sex with women. So he donated the sperm. So he was gay. Yes, he was. And then... After she had the baby, she decided she wanted him to support the baby. <gasps> the fact that he was a donor. And when he came to court, when I say "Oh my when God. I say. That okay. is evil. Yes, he was so mad. It was like, we didn't even have sex. We had a whole agreement. I gave you the turkey baster. <laughs> and, and you want this man to pay for this baby. And you knew he was simply helping you yes. to become a parent. Yes. So did he end up having to pay the child support? Because was biologically, it's his child. Well, he was a donor, though. So he did not have to pay. So okay. wait a minute. So what's stopping um, little Momo and little Mook Mook from saying, hey, that ain't my baby. I'm just a donor. <laughs> like, right. Was there paperwork that they had? No. that, th- that they, ha- they never had intercourse. They did. It wasn't like- And she admitted to that. Because she okay. could have gone to court and said, we had intercourse. She could have we- lied. She was honest because she was a nurse. And she, they literally worked together, and she and he would just exchange the turkey baster like. Oh my god! How they did it. (laughs) You know, Deborah, how sick do you have to be though? If some, you know, a man sees your gay friend sees that, all right, my friend, she'd make a good mom. I'm gonna give her, I'm gonna donate some sperm, and then you end up in court. Yeah, trying to be somebody trying to garnish your check because you tried to help. Right. So that's th- how evil people can be, yeah. That's loaded. That is, that's repulsive. <laughs> God, I know yeah. you see it all. I know you probably see some of the bowels of human nature when yeah. people come to you. So what is the most, uh, what's the largest amount that you've collected, that you've gone after mm-hmm. in arrears or child support that somebody owed? Oh, it's easily about, I would say about 250,000 from <sighs> particular gentleman that he owed in arrears because his monthly amount was so high. How and much was a monthly amount? You, what is, is the maximum in Florida? There is no maximum. When we calculate the child support, it's oh calculated case by case based on your net monthly income. So it oh varies case to case. Right. So that this is, particular oh gentleman God. owed <laughs> in excess of $250,000 because he had multiple children in multiple households. And wasn't paying anything. So it just accumulated at the rate of a thousand a month in one case, 500 a month in another case, $75 a month to the one who had the last baby. So when you add all of that up every month and it accumulates every month, 250, a quarter of a million dollars. Yes, ma'am. And you can't file bankruptcy for that, right? You cannot cannot discharge child support in bankruptcy. Anywhere. Where can you discharge it to then? Nowhere. You can how can I? How can I get out of paying my child support, or just go to jail? Well, what <laughs> you can do, what you can do to lower the amount, and sometimes you're successful in lowering the amount to zero, is be an active participating parent. Oh, if you, you mean you raise my child? Literally, like the nerve of us. <laughs> literally, be a <laughs> no. Partner, I, I wasn't parent. thinking of that. <laughs> <laughs> literally get an order that allows you to be a responsible parent where you have to pick up the kids from school on Friday and keep them all weekend and pick them up two nights during the week and literally do homework and get to school on time and feed them breakfast in the morning and take them back to school. To, I mean, literally be Ooh. a parent. Uh, uh, wow. I wish you guys could see my face like, ah, uh, so busy. God, <laughs> Right. Like, <laughs> out. <laughs> I was thinking of like, is there like maybe maybe I could join the circus and like you know I heard there was a rumor back in the day they said if you were a member of the circus that you didn't have to pay child support. That's what they used to say back (laughs) in Tennessee. One of my friends actually became a clown. No lie, my friend. I'm I'm gonna call his name Mario. He became a clown, a human, a real life clown. Joined the circus because he thought he could evade his child support, and that didn't work. Of course not. So let me ask you this, Deb. So if you go to court and you have this child support lowered. That doesn't do anything about this outstanding half million dollar balance though, right? No, the balance hardly ever goes away because it's it's what we call vested every month. So if your child support is $100 a month, it vests every month. If it's $25 a week, it vests every week. And so once it vests, You cannot, it is very difficult, not impossible, but very difficult to make the back number go away. Even if you find out years later that the child is not your biological child. Oh my God. You can disestablish it going forward, but you will never get rid of the back unless the other parent is willing to agree, provide you with a credit, and the money was actually owed to her and not to the state for public assistance. Very so, if the, circumstances. so if the other parent was on public assistance and you find out at age 18 and $300,000 in arrears later, the child is not yours. You're not, you're on the hook for that. If the parent is, was on public assistance correct of if any kind. Absolutely. If they receive cash, if they receive food stamps or they receive Medicaid. You have to pay that back to the state. Absolutely. Yes, you do. Florida, you see, Florida is, I just, I have a bone to pick with Florida. And I know a lot of y'all are listeners in Florida, but y'all have a crazy ass state. Okay. Something else. It's something else. It's something else. You know, there's a workaround for everything. And the bottom line is start off being a responsible parent, honestly, and all of these problems can be fixed because even if you find out at age 18 that the child belongs biologically to someone else, you have to wonder and you have to question yourself, why did you wait? What made yeah. you sit around and parent for so many years without really knowing the truth? because we have the science available to us without knowing? Right. The- true nature of whether or not you're this child's parent or not. So it just starts off with being responsible. Don't rush off and sign these birth certificates. Don't run into these hospitals and this nurse jams a stack of papers in your face and you're signing these birth certificates, putting yourself on the hook. Get Mm. DNA testing, get DNA testing, get DNA testing. I can't say that enough before you sign a birth certificate. Start being responsible. Does your partner share kids with a loony? Are your stepkids driving you up a wall? Is your partner failing miserably at setting boundaries? Well, VIP Stepmom is where you need to be we're an exclusive private community just for stepmoms and we'd love for you to join our tribe each month our members enjoy private conversations podcasts expert workshops a subscription to Stepmom magazine and monthly live zoom meetings if you're ready to join a diverse community that is committed to making sure you live your best life visit vip stepmom today we'll save a seat for you VIP stepmoms that's you and me So in order for the child to have, and I don't know if this is, uh, you know, local laws or nationwide, but in order for the child to have the paternal paternal parent's last name, they don't have to sign the birth certificate, correct? Absolutely not. You can name your child Tom Cruise if you want to. Okay. 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 That's what I thought. Yes. Give them any name you want. You can name your child whatever you want. That was um something else that you mentioned. I kind of want to s- s- circle back real quick. So you said, you mentioned the first child gets like, the, and this is all just an example. First child gets a thousand, next child gets 250, last child gets 75. And so what is the reason that, you know, if you have baby number five for a guy, you know, he has four other kids, moms, and you, you have the fifth child, you're going to get a smaller piece of the pie. What's the reason for that? Because the way the child support is calculated in the state of Florida, father's income is reduced by each child support order he has that he's actually paying. So if he's in my office and he's earning $1,000 a month, but he has a $200 a month support order, now he earns $800. And then if he still has that $800 order, but then he has to pay $500 somewhere else, now he earns $300. So when I'm calculating support for baby mama number five, I'm using $300 a month as his income. Oh, and so she's probably thinking, oh, I'm, about, I'm about to come up. Right. But really, you're getting the leftovers. Yeah, you're getting what's the dribbles and drabbles that's left over after he's paid everybody else. You, your child is getting um, taxes pretty much. Mm. we're calculating at this point based on taxes. And then in addition to that, when the employer gets faced with five support orders, at his income, and they can't take out more than a maximum amount of percentage, 55% of his income, no matter what your support order is. So if your support is $5,000 a month, but he only is bringing in 300 you're not getting five thousand dollars a month you're getting what they can legally give to you so does that I, go on arrearage then like eventually that, okay it creates an arrearage that he can't you know overcome because he he doesn't make that he literally well, does not have the money you're just trying to get something from a rock you can't there's can't only get, one much he can do can't get blood from a beat there we go. So then since his income is lowered with each kid, and let's just say he's down to being able to report that income at 300 a month. Um, can't he go and have the child support readjusted? Well, you can't get credit for afterborn kids. Like you can't have 17 year old and then make 25 more kids. And then look at the 17 year old and say, well, baby, I can't give you no money. We don't do it that way. The afterborn children, are the afterborn children, and you don't get credit for content. We assume that you know how to go, you're going to take care of all of your children as they're born, so you can't come in now with child number six and say, Well, court, um, I was supposed to pay 500, but then I had these other kids, so now can you reduce that 500? No, and the court is saying, Why didn't you just put that little ding a ling away instead okay. of Rather okay, that- we I presume- see that you know how you're going to support all your kids as they're born. And if you can't figure it out, the court's not going to penalize the eldest because you went out and had other kids. Okay. This might be kind of a dumb question, but, and I know the audience appreciates this because they've probably been wondering all this stuff too. Um, In order to show, like, let's just say a woman marries a guy with a child and he pays an egregious amount in child support. And then, he and his new wife have a baby together what's stopping her from putting a child support order on him to lower the income the new wife what's stopping yes. the new wife yeah um nothing technically is stopping her from attempting to do that but in the midst of doing that if their husband and wife intact living in the same household yeah <laughs> is going to come up are you intact in the same household and eventually, if she's honest, now there are a lot of separated couples who are not really separated. They just pretend to be separated. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then it works that way. But he would have the money, come out his paycheck, they live in the same house, it goes right back into the same house. Same household. And then he can report less income because that's coming out. Hmm. It is not impossible to do. And I'm not telling y'all to do that because that's fraud. And don't be doing fraud and don't do that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I've, seen it, I've seen it happen and you know that it, it just happens so you yeah they are creative and they're trying to make things work out in their household and they do what they have to do so have you ever seen a case where a man did owe a certain amount of money and his co-parent that he owed the money to was like all right yeah i'm, I'm gonna grant him his credit i'm gonna zero it out have you seen that happen or is that like a fairy tale Absolutely. No, I see it happen all the time. And what usually drives that type of situation is they have a side deal. So he promises her, let's say he owes her $50,000 in back child support mm-hmm. and he get rid of it. It's owed to her and she wants it. So what he'll do is he'll approach her and say, Hey, I'll buy you a car or I'll buy you this. whatever need you have that he can meet. Because let's say he's a car broker and he can get her a 2022 uh, Tesla and she'll wipe out his or her ears. Mm. Her ears are wiped out in court and she's driving the Tesla and everybody's happy. So normally if you see that happen and it's fine, again, she can waive anything that's owed to her. She can't waive anything that's owed to the state. So she's waiving the arrears that are owed to her, which are 50. And in exchange for that, she's taking a risk that he's going to live up to his promise of buying her that Tesla. I see. I see. So that's kind of a smart financial deal. And I know there's a lot of parents that co-parents that probably couldn't even because it makes sense, you know, to do something like that. It benefits everybody, especially if you know you're never going to get those arrears. Like, it ain't happening. Right. Um, but I t- so I wish that there could be more co-parents that could s- just have a conversation. Yeah. Sit to the side. So you've been a guardian at lightum, And I always say G-A-L because it's a tongue twister. Guardian at guardian at Lytum. It's hard for me to say it. <sighs> and we talk a lot here about the children that are caught in the middle of two adults that bumped uglies and now they can't figure it out. And this child is getting caught up. Do, can you recall a case where you knew the child that was caught in the middle of this adult conundrum was not going to turn out okay just because of what their parents were doing? Can you talk a little bit? I know you can't get details, obviously, but can you speak on that a little yeah, um so working as the guardian is probably far more rewarding to me than working as the attorney for the case because mm. as the attorney I have a client and most of my interaction obviously is with my client. I never really get to meet the kids. I never really get to dialogue with them or ask them any questions because they're not permitted to come to court. There's no need for me to prep them for anything. So in my guardian work I get to meet them and there is no client. The child is my client. So I get to come out to the house and I get to sit on the floor and crisscross applesauce and yeah. we get to chop it up. Right. God, and I know you are so good at that job. Uh, just, uh, just with how you speak to people. I know these kids love you. Wow. And I love them back. Each and every one of them. We have so much fun because this is their chance this is their chance. You know, you've ever had a conversation with a child and they're just looking at you and they want to say something to you. Yes. They, they respect you. So they just can't say what they want to say. Yes. This is their chance to say what they want to say. And so- do they say it? Do they feel safe? Oh, yes, yes, yes. They tell it all. They tell you about mama in the car and what she's smoking. They tell about all the uncles that come through. They tell no. <laughs> oh, they tell, oh, this is their chance. They've never, the only time they get to vent is to their friends or to the wall in their bedroom. So this is their chance to be like, Ooh, I'm trying to get my homework done. And she on the phone and she's smoking and I, she don't even know how to help me with my homework. And this, mm. they let you have it. But what you're really, really, really listening for, because most of the times when you get in these cases as a guardian, you're trying to make sure the child is safe. You're trying to make sure that, that nobody's touching them, that they're not being neglected, that type of thing, and you're trying to help the parents get to a place where they can be responsible. I mean, that's like my favorite word: be responsible parents. Do what's in the best interest of your children. So that's what you're listening for when you're talking to them, but. They're giving you all the tea anyway. They're giving it to you all and you just have to pull out what you need from it. But it's the best experience ever. And I think the children at the end of the day are way better for it. Just having that experience with the guardian and having that chance to say, this is what's really going on. My mom is going to tell you this and my dad is going to tell you this, but this is really what's going on. They're the third side of the story. How do you get them to feel safe with you? Because in a lot of cases, you see parents, even the most well-meaning parents, sometimes coaching the kids. Mm -hmm. Um, It takes time. You have to have a couple of visits. You have to do um, face-to-face. It's difficult to do that during these times, but you have to really get in there with them. You had to come to the house and sit in the room with them and, and close the door and talk. And then sometimes you have to meet them away from the ears of the parent. You got to go out to the school where they're sitting around with their friends and they're just chucking it up. This is where they really complain about their parents, but you have to, and <laughs> it's well, you got to, and you have to do multiple locations, multiple times, and then okay. finally get to trust you. And they say, oh, I told her this a couple weeks ago and I haven't heard it back. Like I didn't get punished. I didn't get any repercussions for saying this. So she's not repeating what I'm saying. So it's a safe space. And then they just open up. What are you obligated to share? Because I know building um, confidence, confidentiality is important and building trust, but I'm sure kids maybe sometimes tell you things that you're like, God, I got to report this. What do you have to report? Abuse. Okay. Absolutely abuse. If they're telling you somebody's touching them, I'm a mandatory reporter for abuse. But if they're just telling me they don't like this or dad comes in late or dad has a lot of girlfriends or he talks mean or that type of thing, that's not necessarily abuse. That's just their experience of the other parent. And sometimes the parents are giving you conflicting stories. And so the child is able to tell you, this is actually what happened or this didn't happen. You know, you have a lot of times that one parent is accusing the other parent of touching or having someone else or allowing someone else to be exposed to their child when they shouldn't. They confirm sometimes that it's not happening, but sometimes they lie. Children lie, right? Why? Why are they going to lie to you? You know, because they don't trust anybody. They're now 12 years old and their mom is letting this happen to them or their dad is letting this happen to them and it hasn't stopped. It's been going on for so long. So now they don't trust me. They don't know me. Mm. They're going to say whatever they think is going to protect them. And they don't realize that lying to me is not going to protect them. Mm. It's a process. Have there there been any kids that were a lost cause when you're like, I'm not able to help this child because, you know, I, 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 until they turn 18 in my mind, they're not a lost cause. They're not responsible for anything that they do in my opinion, or anything that has happened to them until they're not necessarily 18 is a magic number, but They didn't get that way by themselves. Right. They didn't learn these bad habits by themselves. It's coming from somewhere else. And it's typically the parents. I don't blame blame the kids when they come to school and they're terrorizing the place and they're flipping stuff over and they're bringing knives and guns in. Where do you think they get that stuff? They're acting out because they're learning stuff at home. That's right. So I don't blame them. They're never a lost cause. They're never a lost cause. I always go into it open minded and I say to myself, this child did not raise him or herself. Mm. They learned this from somewhere. And so let's try to figure out where that somewhere is and then fix it going forward because most people don't want to be crazy and, <laughs> and I depressed. don't want to be crazy, but I am. <laughs> and anxious and all. They don't want to live like that, they want to feel normal. but they don't know how to do it. They haven't been trained to do it. They haven't been given the space. And they don't have the environment to do it. Exactly. So are (laughs) you all taught to um, recognize parental alienation, which I know in some courts and some jurisdictions, they're like, it's not a thing. It's something that's made up. But from my own personal and professional experience, it's very much a thing when one parent tries to turn the child against the other parent. So are you all taught, To to recognize that. Is there some Uh, sort of course that the GALs have to do? No, it's not a course and we're not specifically taught to recognize it. But if you are experienced at all in family court, you can recognize it. It's not a difficult thing. And then we bring in therapists also because we're not therapists. So we bring in licensed clinicians that are trained to recognize parental alienation. My job as the guardian is to be the voice of the child. So if in having conversations with the child, the child is disclosing to me, oh, yeah, you know, my mom never makes me call my dad or whenever we have to call. She's sitting there on the phone. And after I get off the phone, she asks me all kind of questions and she tells me bad things. I hear that. And that's my voice. If I feel like hearing that. It needs to be escalated to the level of a clinician. Mm -hmm. Then I make a recommendation as the guardian that the child be placed into therapy with someone who has extensive training in alienation. Mm, Okay. I'm the child's voice. Now, they don't know. The child, of course, doesn't know that they're being alienated. They know hear one side of the story but when I hear those type of things I recognize it and that's when I would make a recommendation that it's elevated that the child gets some therapy with a person who is trained specifically to work with kids yes in that capacity so not all GALs are created equal and I know sometimes a court will assign them but in some cases people can select their own right Absolutely. You can always pick your own. Well, not always. Like you said, some judges. Right. And some judges have what we call a wheel and they have a list of all the guardians that they've worked with or that they've seen in their courtroom Mm -hmm. and they'll just randomly assign the next person on their wheel to a case. They'll also take recommendations from the attorneys. The two attorneys can agree that this is the person that I want to work as the guardian on my case because of her background. She's a mother or she's a single right. person or she's a member of the LGBTQ community. And so we want her. So yes, you can make that suggestion. If the court has no suggestions, they usually have a wheel that they use to just either randomly or in order. Okay. They- Find the next person on their list. So then for a parent that is lucky enough to be able to choose their own, what do they need to look for in the person that's going to serve their family the best in, in a GAL? You should try to find someone that most mirrors how your family looks. So you're not going to know my entire background if you're looking to select me as a guardian on a random list of guardians, you're not going to know that I'm Jamaican. You're not going to know that I'm divorced twice. You're not going to know that I have two adult children. So you're not going to be able to tell randomly, but it's also good to talk to other people who have used guardians before and see what their experience was with that guardian. And Mm. it's the same for judges. You don't get to pick your judge, but... All judges aren't created equal. They're not always a good match for your file because some of these judges don't have children and they're sitting on family benches and they're ruling on cases that involve children and they don't have any. There's a different experience when you are a parent, when you're trying to make decisions for children. So it's not always the easiest thing to do, but it's always great to get referrals if you can um, so that you understand a person's background and that you find someone that closely matches what your family looks like. Mm, makes so sense. You understand. So yeah. do your due diligence, basically. Yeah, that's all. That's all. Sometimes you have control over it. And if you do, you absolutely need to have some input in it. Sometimes you're forced. But once you get a guardian appointed to your file, if it's not a good fit, you can always ask for that person to be removed as well. Mm. And that's havoc, because then that means a kid has to meet this new person, establish a, a trusting relationship with them, yada yada yada. Yeah, <sighs> and it's that's so. Hard. What's the youngest that kid that you had? Ah, uh, well, I had a family that had about five children, um, and the youngest was. I don't know, maybe a toddler. Oh, so it wasn't very much that I could get from that child because they weren't very vocal. Right. But the like, siblings yeah, you could. Yeah, absolutely. And they were really protective of the infant. So it said something to me about that relationship. Also, it's like they were trying to protect her from me. So, it, you know, it's okay. the dynamics, you know, so it makes you wonder, you know what are these kids experiencing in their homes to to where they have to be like this? It was like one of them always had to have the baby on their lap. The other four, it was like, they were parentified then. (laughs) Oh goodness. See, those are the kind of unspoken things that you pick up when you come into a house and you're assigned to a case and there's five kids and you sit them down and the oldest is probably in eighth grade but everybody, it was like they passed the baby around on their lap the entire hour that I was there. Somebody had a baby on the lap the whole time. Okay, okay. And they could have been protective siblings. I mean, who who knows? All right, so before we get into your PSAs, I want to, because I love how you just, you know, I said it before. I love the videos. We're going to play a couple of clips here in a second, but what is, and I'm going to ask you for a piece of advice for a custodial mother, mm-hmm. stepmom, uh stepdad and biological father. So what is the one sage piece of advice you could give to a custodial mother that needs your services? Like what will help her to excel and succeed? Hmm. Wow. Okay, so it's the custodial parent, she comes in um Paint what? a picture for us they Paint a picture. Uh, okay. So let's, let, let's do the <laughs> that I met this morning. Let's okay. Let's do her. <laughs> do her. So the, she's married and she has a 17 year old and that child lives with her. She's been separated for about nine years and she's come in to do a consult for a divorce. In the course of the, uh, the conversation with her, it's, a parent that child support is an issue and remember I said the child is 17 the birthday is like in a month so Ooh. so fixated on child support and it took a minute for me to redirect her and remind her that you know that's only going to happen for to a the- month yes by the time you pay me and we get to court the child is probably 18 he's going to be 22 years old and he got a baby of his own <laughs> I had to redirect her. It was like someone told her to come in and she just could not let go of that. So if I had to give her and any other single mother out there that's listening in this same situation, a piece of advice, focus on your peace. piece. You're, mm. Don't focus on what trying to get back at him for the hurt that he gave you. Focus on your peace. And she wasn't focused on her piece because her piece would have told her that child support's over, baby. He's 17 and he's That's gonna be 18. done. Focus on alimony, maybe, right? Oh, yeah. If we are talking money, focus on alimony, maybe. So we eventually got her past the support issue. She let it go. Yeah. Sometimes you have to just let things go because it's just not worth your piece. Right. Non-negotiable. And you she won't. would have fought real hard for that little $75 <laughs> for that one month. <laughs> Two months. <laughs> Two months. And, and it's been looking crazy. Okay, since you won. Here, take your little 150 and get out of my face. All right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, so next, I want you to paint a picture for, because, you know, let's just say, and we're talking heteronormative relationships, by the way. Okay. Um yeah. You know, just I, I do like you all know that I like to include everybody, but just for the sake of of time, we're, we're going to speak heteronormative relationships. So let's just talk the stepmom or this the new woman mm. in the father's life. Yes. Oh, God. What? Yes. What what's what sage piece of advice do you have for her when it comes to what you see in your in your field? You know, I, and I'm going to share this with you because I watch your blogs, I follow your page, I think I'm <laughs> and I know that your your platform is inclusive to stepmothers. But my piece of advice, and this is just from a humble place, stepmom and or stepdad. You have to be involved, but you don't have to rub it in the face of the new or the old mom or the baby mom, whatever you want to call her, the Mm co-parent. Sometimes it appears because they come to the hearings and they sit beside dad. In their red bottoms. Ah! Baby mom is sitting over there, broke down, couldn't get her hair done to come to court because she tied right? Taking care of your stepkids. Listen. And so she looks across the table and she feels double teamed. She's automatically defensive and it creates a very antagonistic environment. My suggestion to stepmom would be support your man. Absolutely. 1000%. But try not to rub it in the face of the baby mom or the co-parent. Talk to him in your quiet time. Don't have these conversations. don't jump on the phone when he's talking to her and snatch the phone out of his hand. Mm-hmm. I her told her y'all hey I, I try to tell them that you know, they don't listen to me. I try to tell them. Stop Shoot. doing that. Stop. Because I know it's I've done it. <laughs> it. And it's not it's hard. It's, it's hard not to do. Yes. Right? When you it's see your person getting disrespected, it is very difficult. But your man that right. you love that you sleeping with that you have children with too getting yelled at and beat down and emasculated it's difficult for you to just sit there but let me tell you it makes for an easier settlement an easier trial and eventually easier life if you have these conversations with your man in your own space Woo-wee. in your own space baby in your, in your own so don't don't do look, we know come, you what are you coming to the court for? You're not testifying. Step Why mom. Stepmom, I know you just lost 50 pounds and you just got those new Christian Louis batons okay. And yes, I said Louis batons Okay. I okay. know we know you are fine, and you got your waist trainer on. You got that brand new uh 16 inch weave on. Girlfriend, Amen. we know what you're trying to do. Okay. Stay at home. And the judge is gonna see this broken down um ex-wife or, or children's mother over there, and he's gonna see you, he's gonna be like, wait a minute, this man has w- more money. Okay. Hmm. Okay. You know, yes. Stay at Just home, sis. Favor. Support him, absolutely, because he needs it. But sometimes you're gonna have to trust him to get in that courtroom, say the stuff that y'all talked about last night in bed that you told him to say. <laughs> He's going to say it. You got to trust that he's going to say it. You don't have to be there to hear him actually say it. Send him to court with a whole script. The man is fumbling and bumbling trying to remember his lines. <laughs> and his index cards. Give him his index cards put it in his breast pocket. And put it in his breast pocket. Oh, uh, your honor, first, I would like to say flip card. Don't read the flip I card, folks. <laughs> I'd like to thank my wife. No, don't do that. Read the stuff I wrote in red. Oh my God. Okay. So (laughs) next. What sage advice and stepdads, we don't really pay a lot of attention to stepdads. Um, and I you know, but I feel like they God, I I don't I don't envy them because unfortunately, or for however you look at it. Children are typically living the majority of the time with the mother. Now, the rules laws are changing, and we're seeing a lot of 50-50. But that means when a woman meets a new guy, he's going to have to take up domicile with her and her children. Yeah, That means he's there all the time. He's probably seeing those kids more than their biological father. Yeah, He's probably having more of an impact than them. So what advice, what sage advice do you have for this dude that's just... He's with this woman. She's quarreling with her ex, so she doesn't, she ain't really feeling her ex and his new wife. What advice do you have for, for the dude that's doing the everyday work? Right. Keep doing it. Just keep doing the everyday work. Just keep being there. Your presence alone is making a big difference in these children's lives. Most of the stepdads are quiet, gentle giants, and they're just showing up. And that's really all we wanted BioDad to do. We just want you to show up. We want you to be here. We want you to go to work and come home and be here and sit on the couch and watch TV with us and have dinner with us. They really just want your presence. Yes, so keep doing that. That's all I would suggest to the stepdads: keep showing up, keep putting gas in her car, keep kicking the tires to make sure, keep walking around the house and doing all the things that you're naturally doing. As keep a- showing up, just, just show up. Just keep showing up. Yes, that would be my suggestion. I like it. I don't think we have to do the the biological dad because we've been giving him advice this whole time. So let's let's move on to these PSAs, your public service announcements. Oh my god! The first time I saw one of your videos, I think it was on Instagram. I cackled like a hen. <laughs> one of my fa- the, all of them are my favorites. Um, I'm gonna read one of my favorite ones though. And you made this one May 8th, 2019. It says, PSA, things to discuss with your bae before you have a baby. And let me go click on it. Number one, (laughs) if your child wants a tattoo or a body piercing, at what age will it be allowed and where on the body is it permitted? And this is something that you discussed, you know, before, like, hey, what type of parents are we going to be? Number two, if the child wants to have a cosmetic procedure as a minor, will that be permitted if it's not medically necessary? Number three, very important. At what age can they have a cell phone and who is going to pay for it? Also, if taking the cell phone away is a punishment, does that include not being able to speak to the other parent? Number four, will the child be allowed to have social media? If so, what platforms And number five, at what age should a child be permitted to date? Should the child have the same curfew in both parents' homes? And I kind of feel like all your PSAs, they come from a place where you've come across some silly scenario and you're like, oh my God. Oh my God. And you know, these are things that we would think that we would discuss with a person before we bump uglies, but with a, you know, like. Like a lot of co-parents aren't really planning to have these kids. So it it, kind of just happens. (laughs) So they figure it out. So then tell me the motivation behind this one. Do you, it was a year old, it was a long time ago, but what, where were you, what happened to make you get in this vein of thought? Well, I'm divorced. I have two children from someone that I'm no longer married to. So Mm -hmm. sometimes those PSAs come from cases Sometimes they come from my own actual life. Oh, okay, okay. (laughs) And that particular one is my own life. Oh, I picked a big one then, girl. Give us some tea. My daughters are 22 and 20. And so you just had a college graduate too. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yes. So these are the things that I wish. I would have spoken to my co-parent about because you don't think to talk. And, you know, times change. Cell phones came out when they were itty bitty. So you're not thinking that you need to have a conference. You don't even know what a cell phone is yourself at some point for some parents. So that came from one of my own personal experiences because my kids were asking for certain things. And I felt it was only right that I should have this conversation with him because they were young mm-hmm. and they were minor at the time. So, you know, as things come to me, I grab the phone, I record myself and I make a PSA. <laughs> so is it? <laughs> it OK, me. so let me ask you this Then, number five. You said, at what age should the child be permitted to date? Uh, should they have the same curfew in both parents? Homes? So, OK, what age should they be permitted to date then? What's oh, your take wow. on that? you got to be responsible and you have to know your child. You have to be able to look at for me I say especially my girl your girl children. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to know what do you mean by date? Like what the, is dating? How do you, How do you define a date? Exactly. I had to ask her cuz when she came to me in the 6th grade and asked me if she could have what? a boyfriend Right. So sixth grade is what, like 10, 11, 12, something yeah. like that. And say, cause she have a boyfriend. I said, well, what does, what do boyfriends do? Like, what is your vision? I mean, mm. you got to break this down. <laughs> what are you talking about? Like what yeah. is a boyfriend? And so I don't have to answer that, but you have to know your child. So what I knew was that if I said no to that, then it was going to be a matter of her sneaking to have this quote-unquote boyfriend. But when I asked the question of what is a boyfriend to you, all she thought a boyfriend was was somebody who carried her books from class A to class B. Mm. Yeah, have a boyfriend. Okay, okay. <laughs> all you need is somebody to carry books. Okay, because yes, we're over here about to have a cow, and she's like, Mom, duh. A ah. boyfriend is somebody that carries my books and sharpens my pencil. Like, what do you think? And yes. you're like, oh, now okay. I'm in the my brain is in the gutter. and hers- right. <laughs> so it's you a gotta know your child. child. You gotta <laughs> know your child. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. So I'm, we're we're gonna wrap up here, folks, because I could literally talk to Deb. <laughs> all freaking day, like literally all freaking day. And I'm going to, instead of sharing PSAs here, um, I'm going to post the link so that you guys can go and just read some of them and 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 go and listen to some of them because there's, there's a lot. And I'm also I'm going to share her social media. So I have another child support question that I just thought about. Yeah. Um, where, if somebody wanted to hide, because like, let's just say a man is a barber or a mechanic or a consultant and he gets paid cash. Because I know a lot of people and I keep saying, man, I'm sorry, a parent, because men are not the only ones who pay child support. Let me correct myself. Let's say a parent is paid in cash. And that means they're able to not, you know, they don't really have to report that as income. Mm -hmm. How do you find that? Like if I know my child's father makes three hundred thousand dollars in cash every year from cutting hair, he's making it in cash. But he only he's only reporting. He's only obligated to report twenty five K. Mm -hmm. What do I, how do I prove that? Well, you may have a challenge in actually proving it. And you may have to have a conversation with yourself where you accept that you're not going to be able to prove it. And you accept your role in your situation because you probably met and dated this person while he was doing that. That's how you know that's what he does. -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay with you at the time that he was doing it because it didn't affect you because y'all were together, but you played a role in that. You sat by and you watched him hide money, probably from his other baby mamas. We're okay with that. Uh Uh-oh. now when the shoes on the other foot, it's a problem. You may not be able to find it. Ain't no fun when the rabbit got the gun, so they say. Okay. Uh Your your best efforts (laughs) will be. Trying because if they're gonna lie to the IRS, they're gonna lie to you. And you to the courts, right? Yeah, you ain't nobody but but wait a minute, Deborah Pino Esquire, attorney at law. Let me ask you this. What if you see that he's driving a car that's you know darn well the note is twelve hundred dollars a month? What if you see he ha- is living in a home and you went to Zello? Is it Zello or Zillow? You've no. gone and sit, you've seen that. Hey man, this house is in his name. But you can prove you can see that he has the assets. Are you are you telling me that a woman can know all of this and still be getting a little $75? Well, no. What you're going to do is you're going to tell your attorney what you know. And then your attorney is going to turn back to you and say an asset doesn't necessarily equal income. We're not going to force him to sell his house to pay you child support. So I could live in a house that's worth $500,000 on Zillow but that doesn't translate into income because that house could be A, paid for B, in the wife's name but then you mention that it's in his name but it may not have a note on it and since this is not a contempt hearing we're not selling the house to pay you child support so you have to accept your responsibility in the relationship you because- know people don't want to accept responsibility no. come on now so why are you even about- saying that and they come in my office and they argue with me like I'm supposed to work a miracle <laughs> and find this stuff. This man makes cash. So unless you are going to sit in the barbershop and watch him take the money from the patient, from the client all day, every day and add it up, you're not going to be able to prove it. And that's the hard truth that you might have to accept. Uh. They date Sometimes you date a man who you know is selling drugs, and then you want to come to court and use the drug money to pay child support, ma'am. Wait, do women take drug dealers for for child support? I would yeah. be afraid to do that because I'm like, oh, he's going to kill me. Do. No, they absolutely do because they see money, they see how much money and the lifestyle they lived when they were in the relationship. They don't translate that into the fact that it's illegal he's not paying taxes on it it's no. not a tax return i mean there are boundaries you know i i, I can only do so much i can't work miracles oh. you brought him into my office like this i thought you were an attorney that's gonna work miracles for I his I dad. Work, i thought i was gonna work miracles too when i passed <laughs> the so i was like <laughs> Let me do this because I'm gonna be able to just make magic happen. And then you, just <laughs> gotta, you just gotta accept the reality that this is who you picked. So then, when people, because I hear of some people saying, "Okay, well, if I have an LLC or an S corp and I just put the funds over there, then it, since it's not in my name, and child support can't come for that, right?" All right. So if you have an LLC, it's for a purpose, it's limited liability. So the LLC may earn a certain amount of money, but then what is the owner's compensation? That's the number that we use. The LLC could be making millions, it could be a, on Forbes' top 10 list. The LLC. The LLC is not the man. Mm. So the owner of the LLC gets compensated. The reason why people create these LLC is to limit their liability. And he could pay himself that little $75 and then that's what you're going to get. Okay. Okay. Um. You got to choose wisely. Accept <sighs> your responsibility when you haven't it because it happens. You know, you get caught up, you meet this man at the gas station and he's driving this <laughs> like that and you get caught up and you're not thinking about Today and this conversation that we having right now. I hope they listen to it though before they you know before they like leave the gas station. They're just like you know what, nah. All right, and I just don't know if you're gonna be the right one for me. You th- and, then, and listen, you might decide you know what, screw this lady. She doesn't know what she's talking about. This is my man, and you just go and you have your moment. But then accept responsibility for having that moment and that's seventy five dollars. All right. <laughs> Okay, Deb. Oh my God, Deb! I had so much fun talking to you. Tell everybody where they can find you because I know they're going to come looking for you. And you, when you guys go look for Deb, please let her know that you got you heard our conversation. Where can they find you, Deb? On Instagram, I'm at Deborah Pino Esquire. So that's D E B O R A H. P i n o e s q. That's where you'll find all of my PSAs. They're also housed on my YouTube channel, the Law Offices of Deborah Pino. And I'm on Facebook as well under the Law Offices of Deborah Pino. And just in case you have some people um, in Florida listening, girl, give them your phone number because you <laughs> never know. Like they might, you listen, y'all better call her. Deb's gonna get your stuff handled. Listen, in Fort Lauderdale, the local number is 954- 229-1518. and if you're somewhere else in the world where you need to use a toll free number, it's eight 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 pino nine five four. Oh, she fancy! Oh my god, eight eight eight. So nine five four. Girl, you got girl. I'm so you are fancy. Giving, yes. away girl, giving away these numbers, girl. they giving away these numbers. <laughs> whatever, whatever. Oh my goodness, Deborah, I had so much fun, guys, today right. talking to. Debra Pino Esquire my friend my colleague an amazing woman I'm so inspired by her and I know after this conversation you guys are too thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of I Know I'm Crazy with Najah Hall crazy. every other Tuesday new episodes every crazy. other Tuesday with your favorite streaming platform I know I know I'll crazy. see you next time I know I'm crazy with naja Hall